Yeah, and but and st- and still be the nice guy because he yeah. just yeah you know um, I, and he's one of those guys I, I genuinely would like to meet because I just think he'd be good fun. Hi, my name's PJ PJ Stevens, and I'm here with my PJ Tips uh, podcast, Leading Business Change. So the conversations I enjoy the most are with people who I really respect about matters that. Uh, are really important to people that can make a big difference in business. Um, and th- those things can really help elevate people's thinking and behavior in business. And I think some people do that naturally. And today I'm lucky enough to have with me Gary Whittle from Meachers. Now I reckon I met, Gary, I reckon I met you about 10 years ago maybe. And you, you really made me smile because you had that confidence and a wonderful kind of energy and honesty about you, um, which I admire. Because I think it's people like you who can really lead business change practically and commercially. And at the same time, you're able to kind of cut the crap. Um, and, I, and I say that lovingly, and I hope you're okay with that. So Gary, <laughs> before we kind of get stuck into this, do you want to to introduce us to Meachers and then how you came to join and, uh, and be leading the business? Yeah, morning. Thank you for those very kind words, PJ. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so I joined Meters 21 years ago, um, believe it or not, I've been in the industry uh, from the age of 18, so uh, for those that know me, they can work out how old, bloody old I am, which is great. <laughs> um, yeah, and I joined Meters uh, initially as, as uh, head of the commercial department, but having a history um, in the operations side, which I do think is quite important at times when you're selling, you need to understand the product you're selling and believe in the product you're selling. Um, and I, I ran the commercial operation for about four or five years um, and me being me got involved in pretty well everything with it to do with the business. Part, a key part of that was the operational side. Um, and the more I got involved in the operations, the more the, uh, the management, senior management team here asked me to get uh, more and more involved. So about 12 years ago, uh, they asked me to take on the running of the operational side. So that's the transport and warehousing divisions, as well as retain the commercial and um, marketing bits, uh, which I did, um, was appointed the commercial director back in 2008, I believe. Um, and then since then, it, it helped the, the senior management team steer the business to, to where it is today. That's amazing. It's, it's hard to believe you've been there 20 odd years, isn't it? Or 20, 20, well, consider I'm only years. 35 years old. I'm going to say, I thought, I thought you were younger than that. But what, <laughs> just, I know it's a difficult question for you. But what is it you think you do from a leadership perspective that has given you the success and the respect that you have naturally gained? That is a very difficult question. Um, I think, and you, you summed it up quite well, I think, in, in your initial intro. Um, I think I've kind of stayed relatively honest to who I am. Um, so I have adopted and, and probably adapted my management style over the last 15, 20 years. Um, I'm happy to listen um, and I think from, from my perspective what I find absolutely key is I recognise my roles and responsibilities uh, as a senior manager within the organisation but I'm also relatively democratic but there will come a point where I'll listen to everyone's views in the room uh, and then my job as I see it is, is to, to pick the best bits of those um, and implement. Uh, I, I will explain the rationale, people may not mm. necessarily agree with the decisions I've taken but 
I'd certainly be very keen for them to understand the rationale of how I've arrived at that decision. So I will explain that, I will run through it, but I'm also recognise that you know, within a democracy, unfortunately, you need someone to, to come up with a democratic view. Um, and, and that's my responsibility to, to do that. So I think that's probably the key, uh, a level of honesty, uh, hopefully relatively approachable, but relatively decisive when I need to be. Um, so, you know, my job is to make decisions and difficult, tough decisions at times. Um, and, and I can't shy away from that. So that's kind of probably in a summary where I think I've, I've managed to do reasonably well. I'd certainly I'd agree that listening piece is one that I see in some, you know, I think it's a key leadership skill. It's a key life skill. And I think that ability to listen, yes, as leaders, we still need to make decisions, but gathering information um, it's so important you think about listening. It's a key learning skill, leadership skill, life skill. It's feedback, isn't it? It's um, very, very important. So, no, and I see that and I can kind of feel that. I can, I can feel that in you, Gary. Thank you. Um, could you, listen, could you tell us a bit about the strategic transformation that's, that's going on at Meachers? Because there seems to be, there seems that, you know, externally, there seems a lot of growth and development. Um I guess there's going to be a clear journey that you're taking Meachers on. And, and I wonder if you could tell us about that and about some of the acquisitions uh, or mergers that you've been involved in in the last few years, Gary. Yeah, more than happy to. Um, interestingly, I thought those two things go hand in hand. So one of the things I think uh, certainly 12, 13 years ago when uh, the, the board was appointed, um, prior to that, a little bit of history, so sorry to bore everybody, but a little bit of history. Um, it's a privately owned organisation, um, a gentleman called Bob Terrace owns the business um, and has done for a very long time. Uh, and Bob really was up until 10, 12, 15 years ago, the face of the business uh, by design. Um, and he'd been around and knew everybody, knew the industry inside and out and still does. Um, but what we identified as a board way back then was to, to, to grow to the level we are today, we need to have some more depth within the business. We need to be seen both publicly and operationally to have more depth, more experience, more knowledge to really drive the, the organisation through. So we took a decision to uh, sort of almost, and I'm not sure this is a real term, PJ, but I'm going to go de-bobify the, <laughs> the organisation. Um, and as such, I, I sort of naturally, I think, took a little bit more of a lead uh, and certainly over the last five to ten years, probably been more um, people more aware of myself than they are of Bob. Um, but interestingly, on, on, our, on our journey as an organisation, we've got to the stage now where we probably need to start thinking about de-garifying the organisation. Um, and, and as such, we, we've got a strategy that we developed about three or four years ago, and we're slowly doing that. And that's around utilising the depth and knowledge of the, of the other people within the teams, uh, being strategic about what we do and how we do it, what we're saying and where we're saying it. Um, part of that growth, as you've just, just um, alluded to, was uh, acquisition. So we're organically and have been organically growing around 10 to 15% for the last eight or nine years. Um, but to make decent step change growth, um, we've had a look at a couple of acquisitions over the last two or three years. So three years ago, we bought a company called Kepair, who were a specialist freight forwarding organisation, predominantly geared around air freight movements, which is one of the provisions that we have within the organisation. Um, and we integrated that a relatively small team, uh, five people, uh, and they just basically integrated into the operation here quite seamlessly. We picked up the, the customer base, took the skill set of the individuals and just wrapped them around what was the Meachers uh, brand, really. Uh, and that worked particularly well, but it's a relatively small organisation. Um, 
probably most of your listeners will be aware that we, we bought a company very recently called AFS Haulage over in Fair Oak. Yeah. Um, and they're 40 employees and, and multi-million pound business um, that pretty much as of today, I've managed to sort of integrate or we've managed to integrate that business into the Meacher's operation. But the, it, that brings its own challenges in that there's a completely different skill set and provision uh, required with some of what they do. So they have um, a pallet network and some specialist equipment that we don't have. So it's added to the provision that we have as an organization. Uh, we've managed to retain pretty well all the staff, all the skill set and all the customers. Um, but it will take us probably 18 months to, to really integrate that business properly. Uh, and I come back to a word that I use an awful lot, BJ, and apologies for it, but it, it's around strategy. So there's a strategy about integrating that business into Meachers, what that looks like, um, and we're slowly but surely doing that. So there have been a few challenges, if I'm honest, about integrating any business, certainly of that size, into an existing operation. But we're slowly but surely overcoming most of those. Thank you. Can you so can you just tell us how, you know, when you're talking about integrating businesses and they've got customers, those customers had expectations with that company. You know, what are, what are some of the um, maybe Chinese whispers that may cause issues when it comes to integrating clients into a new business? And how did you go about looking after those clients? That, that's a fantastic question. Um, there, there are two two um, two issues, really, that we, we identified. The first one was dealing with clients and the expectation, the narrative that was, was in the marketplace. But interestingly enough, as important as dealing with the uh, employees that you're absorbing into your business, mm. because they're the face of, of that organization. They talk to the customers and the drivers and, and the general marketplace. So actually managing the narrative on both is, is absolutely key. So in simple answer to your question was just lots of discussion. Um, so it's planned, formal and informal discussions um, a control of the narrative that we were using. Um, we sat down prior to the acquisition itself actually going through and really drafted up a script to say, this is what we need to be saying to the market, to the customers and to the employees. Uh, so it's a level of consistency about what, what we say, a level of frequency about how we say it, and also the, the, the format that we deliver that in. So I based myself in the organization for best part of seven weeks. Um, carried out an awful lot of in my day-to-day -day jobs for, for the meters operation, but just being physically seen and present. Um, and, and it was interesting, the vast majority of the uh, Chinese whispers that you're referring to, you can actually predict. We, we know what they are, having to, you know, I think we've, we've acquired about 14 companies in our history. So we, we're kind of aware of some of those Chinese whispers prior to them starting. So it's just about getting control of that narrative early uh, and consistently and, and delivering it. The customers, obviously, given the current climate, that was a little harder because historically what we've done is, is been to see them. Look, they look in the whites of our eyes and recognize we're not, you know, not looking about revolution. It's just about evolution. Mm. Um, and that's easier doing when you're sitting in front of somebody. Not quite as easy when you're doing a 10, 15 minute Zoom call. Um, so we've had, to, we've had to change and adapt our style for the delivery of that to the customers a little bit more. Um, but I, I just say, come back to, to a couple of key things, control of the narrative, consistency and frequency of, of discussion, but having a strategy around what you say and how you say it. Thank you. And you, you know, how important is that piece about going and actually basing yourself in the business for seven weeks? Uh, it, it's interesting. It's, it, it's a question that I think legitimately I would struggle to answer. I believe it's important. Um, 
but the people that really need to answer that question are the people that I'm talking to. Uh, and again, I'm conscious that's very Gary focused. Mm. It's not about me talking to the individuals. I don't think that's actually that that important. Um, I think it was a commitment from the business to demonstrate that you know we're here, we're in it for the long term. And I was making some of the sort of right noises at a more strategic level. But it's actually winning the hearts and minds of the, in our case, the operations team who talk to the drivers and talk to the warehouse staff on a daily and hourly basis. Um, it's, it's winning their hearts and minds and having a consistency of message, demonstrating, you know. The day I walked in, it was one of the questions from one of the drivers is, when are you shutting the gates? It's like, well, why would I buy a business to, to shut it within you know, 12 hours? Well, that's what we've heard. It's like just dealing with those ones, hitting those head on, um, getting your introduction. You very kindly mentioned a level of honesty and, and hopefully approachability. Um, and I think what you've got to do is not shy away from those discussions. So I was out in the yard and I was in the warehouse and just you got any questions, guys? You know, what, what is it you're thinking of? And picking up those rumours and actually attacking some of them head on uh, and just dampening down the, the external noise that's created. If you don't give people information, I think they fill the void. I think they fill it with their own information and that becomes quite dangerous. So it comes back to my term of controlling the narrative, really. That's great. It's fantastic insight from, you know, because you've actually done it. You were on the, you were, you know, you were in the, uh, in the warehouse. Uh, on the office floor, meeting, greeting and listening, which is what you were kind of talking about earlier. Um, can I just ask you a quick question about the hearts and minds piece? So what is it you think that Meachers has that allows you to engage the hearts and minds of the people who you, um, or you know, the businesses that you merge with or acquire? Um, again, a fantastic question. I, I think I think there are a couple of things. I'm just I'm just conscious that really it's not it's not right for me to answer the question in that the people that I'm delivering that to, they're the people that really need to answer whether I have grabbed the hearts and minds. Um, we think we have. Uh, they're still here. They, 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 over a period of time, they adapt and adopt the culture of uh, the Meters organisation, I believe. Um, so I do think we are getting it right. But fundamentally, I, I can't answer the question on their behalf. But... I do think we have a very clear understanding of what our ethos is, our culture is within the organisation, and that's led from, from Bob at the top of the organisation mm. right the way through. Um, and again, I think it's around that consistency and frequency of messaging um, and the sort of uniformity of what we do and how we do it as an organisation. What I would add is is, is we do recognise when you adopt it, or, uh, sorry, um, uh, purchase a new business, it doesn't mean that we meteorize everything uh, because there'd be, right. there'd be nuances within that organization that fit that organization, that fit that customer base, that fit that um, that group of people. So uh, it goes back to my, what I said to you earlier on, part of, I think, one of the benefits of, of the style that we adopt here is I'll have a look at everything and I think if there's a better way of doing it, we'll do that. Uh, but I also give everybody the opportunity to say, well, actually, there's a reason we do that and that's this, this, this and this. We take a logical view um, and, and then what's right for that activity and that business and then meet us as, a, as an overall will adopt whatever we need to adopt. So it's not a rigid um, structure that says that, you know, you have to do this this way. We have to be flexible and even more so uh, in, in this current marketplace, a level of agility and flexibility yeah. within your organisation is an absolute must. Um, Thank I, you. I think I'd, I'd summarise it just very quickly in that 
I think whenever I go into the business, we, we haven't got a monopoly on the good ideas and we haven't got a monopoly on how to do things, <laughs> do things right. So that flexibility and agility about how we do things and listening to people, but ultimately making the decision. Thanks, that's great, because I've seen, you know, you see so many mergers not, or I have over the years, not work, and they haven't really paid attention to that ethos and looking, as you said, you know, we don't have a not monopoly on getting things right. So if you're doing something better, you know, we can listen and learn from that. Um, and we can all kind of develop the business for, for all our benefits, um, customers and staff, so important to do that. Thanks, uh, Gary. Can I, listen, I've got a bit of a cheeky one, right? Because um, Bob, I met Bob some years ago, um, probably golf course or something, I guess. Um, so Bob is, Bob's got to be 70, I don't know, don't be, 70 or 80 years old, I reckon, 70 plus years old. And he told me, yeah, when he started the business um, or, or took over the business, I think he was sleeping on the floor with his little black book of numbers somewhere down on Southampton, maybe down there where, um, is it Ikea? So yes. if you've got somebody who's been in, let's just say 16, right? So he's been 60 odd years. How do you, as you, your, your point earlier, how do you de-bob the business and now de-Gary the business while still making it that very much sort of Meacher's family uh, ethos and superb customer service? Great observations, um, but I'm a bit disappointed that Bob actually took some time out to go to sleep because uh, that's not what he tells me he did <laughs> way back when. Um, I think again, it's, it's, it's going back to, there are two or three things. So when I say de-Bob the business, I'm talking more externally um, rather than internally. So the cultures and ethos that Bob instilled 60 years ago, and it, he actually celebrated his 60th um anniversary within the business uh, last year so uh, it, it, quite, quite a landmark i think not too many people do 60 years um but, but the culture and ethos that exists within the organization is still bob's um and, and obviously uh, bob's son stewart's managing director here he, he's carrying that ethos through so there's that sort of continuity within the organization um and, and he's allowed me to pick up some of the responsibility for some of the areas but being absolutely assured that I have the same culture and same ethos that, that he would work with. But in saying that, things change. Um, and the skill sets you needed 30 years ago are different to the skill sets you need today. And the skill sets you need to run a 10 million pound business are, the different, are different to the skill sets you need to run a 40 million pound business. So there's that recognition within the board that, that we have to keep, as a board, we have to keep adapting our skills. We have to keep listening and, and, and learning to, to really drive the business forward. So I think from our perspective, we keep going back to the same term. We, we are relatively agile. We, we look at what we do. We take out external influences. I talk to people like your good self and understand things are changing and how you adapt and what you adapt it to. But it comes back to sitting down, having a formal strategy about how we run the business in the future, what we look at, what's important, what isn't important. Uh, and, and ensuring we get the right skill sets in the right mm -hmm. place. I, I think the fundamentals of management and running a business are the same. You know, surround yourself with good people, have a strategy about what that is, can make sure the narrative's controlled. All of that still exists. It's just part of the skill has changed and will continue to change. So talk just quickly about that change then. What, what's the next changes for Meters? What's next up for you guys? Firstly, in the very short term, um, obviously we've got the balance of um, the current situation around pandemic and, and Brexit and, and as I'm sure everyone's aware, the supply chain globally 
is in the biggest mess I've ever seen in, in, in my 35, 40 years of being in the industry. Um, so that presents some challenges, but also some opportunities. Uh, and we need to manage the challenges um, and, and grab the opportunities when, when they exist. Um, we, I think, also need to manage the uh, acquisition. So I think a degree of stability for the next three to six months as an organisation. But we're growing. Um, uh, and we're growing at a reasonable rate of not. So it's, it's just managing those growing pains. And that's about getting the right resources, the right skill sets in the right place early enough to manage that growth without influencing or impacting our customer service levels and, and the employees. So it's around developing a strategy for that growth, I think. Uh, and also, as I said earlier on, you know, I'm not getting any younger and it's, it's just about having that continuity and depth within the organization uh, with, with the right skills in the right places doing the right jobs. Thank you. And it's amazing just to hear you talk about growth of the business, given, you know, some of the challenges of Brexit, as you said, with the supply chain and, um, you know, somebody parking a ship across a canal and things like that, which don't kind of help, um, don't help the world. So um, I, would, so I, want, so I really want to thank you for, for that stuff. And, and just as we, we kind of close, because um, I think we could go on for hours as two or three podcasts in here and certainly a book. I look forward to your your book on managing business change or leading business change from sort of 10 to 40 million and all the things you've learned, um, as you said, on that journey. But if you were just to leave us with a, a couple of top tips for leading business change, what would they be? Cool, that was a question I wasn't expecting. Okay, um, simplistically, I would suggest uh, always control the narrative, always have a, a, a clear strategy but be agile around that strategy and surround yourself with good people that you're happy to listen to. That's amazing. I like that bit about surround yourself by good people to um, to listen to. It goes back almost to the start that you were talking about listening. Gary, listen, it's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me. I, I mean, I really appreciate it because this, this piece about leading business change is so important at the moment to make the most of the opportunities that are out there through the great people that you've surrounded yourself by or we're surrounding ourselves by so so listen thanks so much um so it's gary gary whittle from meachers um just a pleasure to speak with you thanks so much and this has been me pj stevens with the pj tips leading business change podcast we'd love you to like and share this podcast and if you have any questions get in touch with me pj stevens it's uh pjstevens.co.uk gary thanks so much cheerio everyone <laughs>